Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to Heartline Ministry. As we uh, now are starting, <coughs> excuse me, I think that the spring season, at least for a moment, uh, the weather is beautiful outside, it's warm outside, and we're going to be talking today about the reasons that Jesus came to earth, Tim, and, mm. and we know that one of the reasons, uh, reason number eight for us, is that he came to earth to receive worship. Now, just to go over uh, the first seven of them, just so that we catch up everybody in the speed as to where we have been. The first reason Jesus came was to do the will of the Father. Yep. Second reason he came was to save sinners. Third reason he came was to bring light into a dark world. Fourth reason he came was to make or to be made like his people. The fifth reason he came was to bear witness of the truth. The sixth reason is to destroy or render powerless the devil and his works. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that the seventh reason Jesus came to earth was to give and is to give to you and me eternal life. Mm -hmm. Not just life for a moment until we sin or whatever, but it is eternal, it is everlasting. Yep. And because of all these reasons and those that are going to be following, Jesus came to receive worship, mm. you know, and probably what we ought to do um, is we're going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 39 to 40, and open in prayer and really ask God to help us to see how important worship is to the Lord mm. Jesus Christ as we, his creation, worships him. Now, not only we, his creation, meaning mankind, was destined to worship him. Mm -hmm. All creation worships him. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to read Luke 19, 39 to 40. Tim's going to put it on the, on the screen, and then I'll have Tim open in prayer, and then we will introduce ourselves, and then get right into our discussion. All right, Luke chapter 19, verses 39 to 40. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Mm. Tim, would you ask the Lord to bless our time? Sure. Well, we thank you once again for this chance that we have to be able to meet together, to be able to dig into your word to be able to explore the many truths that are within it. And God, as we look at this concept of worship today, would you encourage us in what it is? Would you challenge us as well in how it is we go about or what it is that we are really worshiping? And help us to see it through your eyes so, that, Lord, our worship can be pure, it can be holy before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Welcome to, once again, welcome to Heart to Line Ministry. I'm Pastor Harold Noyce, pastor of the Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont. And alongside is my co-host, Pastor Tim Golden. 
He is pastor of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire. And as has been our custom over the last number of years, and I can't remember exactly how many years we've been doing this, is, is to take the Word of God and to bring the Word of God to you. And it has to deal with the heart. If it doesn't deal with the heart, it's just something that is superficial, something that is like a veneer, and that doesn't do anybody any good. And Jesus will not receive that. Right. And what we need to do is we need to learn what it is to worship. So, Tim, mm -hmm. what? <coughs> excuse me. Why don't you kind of share with us your thoughts on worship, what worship is, maybe what worship is not, mm -hmm. and then we will get into our discussion of Luke 19 and a host of other scripture verses. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that as we do look at uh, this concept of worship, it's um, and I don't want to say that we have uh, miss, that, that, that we have somehow lied about what it is, but I think that we've reduced worship to something that it was never meant to be. And, and we hear about everybody has their favorite worship groups. Um, we, we go into our churches, we use phrases like we have a worship team. Right. And um, <laughs> we, we talk about the music that we sing is praise and worship, you know. And, and we've almost reduced worship to just this concept that it's, it's a song. That it, it, it's what just comes out of our mouths. It, it's, it's the fruit of our lips and that only. And though that can be a reflection of worship or an outflow of worship, it is not what worship is in its entirety. That should be the, the fruit of our worship. It should, should come forth from our lips. But um, worship is something that actually takes place down inside. And um, it's about exonerating it, it, it's about um, exalting another over uh, another or another thing right. over yourself. You know, you, you give it predominance. You know, we think of sometimes uh, people when they start dating and, and the one person's really just googly-eyed over the other and they use phrases like, I worship the ground you walk on. Yep. They're talking about really wanting to lift that person higher than themselves, you know, that they see themselves in that place of service, if you will. And that really, I think in a nutshell, is where we've got to get worship back to. It's not about the songs, though it is the, the, the songs do reflect it. It really comes down to um, what do we view more highly than ourselves? What, what is it that, where is it that we get our strength? And are we willing to give um, honor and pay homage to? And that might be a person. Um, it could be God. It could also be things. Some people, I think, worship money or worship their jobs um, or even worship their homes. Right. In a sense, you know, they'll do anything that it takes and, and they'll, uh, you know, what blood, sweat, and tears to maintain those things. And in a sense, that almost becomes an object of their worship. So when we look at this aspect of why Jesus came. He came to receive worship. Do we have to necessarily get ourselves worked up into an emotional frenzy or, or anything of that nature to truly say that I worship God today? No, because I think that when you have true worship, you know, again, I think if we bring it back um, to even something that we can have that's a little more tangible, like... Um, a love relationship that we might have with our spouse or with a fiance or whatever. Um, 
there's this aspect that, I mean, are there emotions involved? Sure. Yeah. But the thing is, is if you truly love or if you get to that point where you are, since worshiping the ground that they walk on, you know, just to merely be with them can be an act of worship. Uh, to be able to just spend time with can be an act of worship. It, it's giving of oneself. Um, now, does that mean there's not a time where we might want to write that love poem That's to right. that individual or that we might want to have that favorite love song? No, we, we have those things. But there again, they are outflows of something that goes much, much deeper. Um, you don't, it, when you're truly in love, when you truly worship at, at that place of worship, you don't have to whip it up because it's there. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I just I was thinking back, you know, the last two weeks, um, Patty and I had gone on a cruise and, and, and it was a great time. It was a good time. And one of the things that I, I really enjoyed was sitting in a balcony overlooking the promenade. And it's a long stretch, long, narrow stretch. You got shops on both sides and watching the couples. And for a good part of the older couples, the elderly couples, they were either arm in arm or they were holding hands or they were showing that, that form of affection. Mm -hmm. May not have been talking to each other, may have just, you know, whatever, but they were just showing that form of affection. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's for you and me, we need to learn what it is to show affection Mm. to the Lord Jesus Christ for what Jesus Christ has done. Yeah. And that is worship to me. Mm -hmm. Now I love worship songs. I love casting crowns. I love, you know, all those things. I love the old hymns. But to be able to just sit in, sit in awe and show my affection to the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe in a silent moment, maybe in a in a sense of that. So Jesus came to receive worship. He does mm -hmm. not specify you know, that you have to to dance or jump and all those things, which I'm not saying is wrong, but to receive worship. Mm -hmm. And that means something true from your heart, an affection from the heart that you give towards another. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus Christ came. Now, in our text, Tim, this is Luke 19. So this is, this is Jesus now walking down the road to Jerusalem. Um, Palm Sunday kind of incident mm -hmm. picture. And the Pharisees were upset. And they were upset at the disciples of Jesus. And they made a demand to the Lord Jesus. And where he comes and it says, rebuke your disciples. Well, why was it that they mm -hmm. wanted Jesus to rebuke his disciples? So I want to go back up to verse 37. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a bit of a cold, so please put up with the coughing today. But in verse 37, it says, When he has come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples. So there's a specific band, mm -hmm. and they were his followers, right? Mm -hmm. That's what a disciple is, a follower. So uh, the multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works in which they had seen. So the Pharisees were all bent out of shape because now the disciples 
coming down from the mountain after spending time with Jesus, mm -hmm. we're rejoicing and praising God and witnessing what it was God has done mm -hmm. for them. So, for us to be able to give him worship, is it, does it mean that we were to have seen something in which Christ has done? Mm -hmm. Whether it be in our own lives personally. Mm -hmm. For example, to give him worship because he saved me, because he has called me out of sin, because mm -hmm. he has given me eternal life. Yep. To use that as worship, because not everybody can worship. Can they? To show an affection to someone if you have not acknowledged or have not seen or, right. or whatever. I mean, right. is that true worship? I'm just, it, that's it, my yeah, question. It does flow out of that. And I, and I, I think there's another <coughs> aspect of, of the worship, too. It's not only from what he did. It's the fact that they first were with him. They just spent time there. Um, the worship, I think, really has two components. It's the aspect of being able to reflect on what he's done. And to be able to praise him and exonerate him for that, but it's but it goes deeper than that. It goes to a point of where we're able. When you get that place of true worship, we're at that place where we can praise him not just because of the things he's done, but just because of who he is, and and his character and and his presence. So I think that there's this aspect of the fact that they were just in his presence was a factor, um, being able to know that he was God. And, of course, God kind of highlighted and underlined that through what he did. Right. You know, and, and through the works that were accomplished, which just magnified the worship, I think, that much more. Um, so you need to be able to have that experience yeah. with another um, to be able to have true worship. To be able to worship. Now, one of the things that I find in this portion of Scripture, and we're going to look at others, but in this portion of Scripture... That it says, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And, and in order to be able to show a picture or give a picture of, of showing this respect, this honor, mm -hmm. um, you know, this homage, I guess, if, if you want to use that, it said that, that they, they recognized him as king. Now, to get the whole picture... What kind of king were they recognizing him as, as opposed to how we recognize him as king today? Well, they were recognizing him as being <laughs> to be able to free them from Roman tyranny. Right. They, they were looking at it from more of an earthly perspective, more of a temporal uh, nature. That ah, here's the one that he he is doing the signs and the wonders. But it wasn't for the like we are that we understand that he came to bring eternal life. He came to free us from a much greater bondage than Roman tyranny. He came to free us from the bondage of sin. Um, that's where our worship is based. But their worship was more based on what they saw, based upon what they had been taught from the Old Testament law by right. the Pharisees, right. uh, that he had come, um, that the governments would be upon his shoulders, right. right, and he would become the prince of peace. But their definition of that peace was deliverance from, again, the warfare and that sense of upheaval that you saw between nations, not necessarily the upheaval that exists within the heavenlies between God and Satan through holiness and sin. So if we look at this, they were worshiping him because they thought that he was going to be their deliverer, mm -hmm. not in eternity, 
but now temporally or in this earth. Mm -hmm. You and I look at him differently because we know that he is our king eternally, mm -hmm. that he came to deliver us eternally. Right. And many, many times in this, this setting, which you and I are, have been doing this program for years, is that we have always tried to bring in the aspect, wait a minute, let's leave out the temporal. Mm -hmm. And we need to focus on the eternal. Mm -hmm. Because the temple is fleeting. The temple, you know, I could call him king today. Like mm -hmm. today in our, in our society, because we're having the Super Tuesday today and all this stuff. And a lot of people probably have switched back and forth to whatever candidate they want to support, you know, to run for the presidency and all this stuff. And they, they you know, they, they toss back and forth and all this kind of thing. That's the temporal. Mm -hmm. That doesn't last. Mm -hmm. But the eternal, that is always lasting. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do today is look at this. All right. What we need to do is we need to worship Jesus Christ. And he wants to receive mm -hmm. our worship mm -hmm. that is going to be eternally based, eternally. not temporally based. Mm -hmm. And because of what you said, the fact that um, how they were perceiving um, Jesus, that they were perceiving Jesus as being one who would deliver or one who would bring some level of peace or some level of happiness. It is for this reason that sometimes worship can be to someone or something, you know, not necessarily some uh, someone that we maybe have an experience with, but it's some sort of perception that we have about something of what it might be able to bring to our lives that can cause us to begin to worship that. And my mind went back to the Ten Commandments that we see, especially as recorded in Exodus chapter 20. And God <laughs> said this right near the beginning. I mean, what verse, uh, you know, the first thing we saw was, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Don't have any other gods before me. But then went on verse 4 say, you shall make for yourself and you shall not make for yourself right, sorry, please, yeah. an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. And here's the thing, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. In other words, you shall not exalt them to a place um, where you, that's where you get your strength. It said, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations, and here's the thing, of those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. Now, what you see happening here is you see this, in that one verse, there's this comparison of worship of what worship is. He said, do not worship an idol. Do not worship anything other than me. But he doesn't use the word worship later on when, when he draws the comparison. What he uses is he uses that my um, blessings will uh, be shown, my love will be shown to those who love, me. love, love me. and keep my commandments. Yep. That is where worship is. So it's, it's not that he's talking about something different. He's saying, don't worship other gods, worship me. But this is how you worship me. You worship me by first loving me and by choosing to do what it is I tell you to do. And I, I think about you know myself when I was a kid, and even with my own kids, and I'm sure my kids with their kids eventually. Um, that there's this aspect of mom and dad, I love you. Yeah, you know, you're the greatest. And then the parents' usual response of, well, if you love me, then do what I tell yeah. you to do. Yeah. Well, I'll love you on my terms. Yeah, true <laughs> worship loves on the terms of the other. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I really like that. True worship is on the terms of the other. 
and and you know it's not on I love you providing I get this in response right no I'm gonna love you no matter what response I get mm -hmm. because I love you you know we love him why because he first loved us mm -hmm. you know he didn't love me because he knew that I was going to respond to his love he just loved me because he loved me mm -hmm. and that is to me that is such a key element to yeah. Jesus coming to earth to receive worship mm -hmm. now at lunch we were talking about the difference between for example the worship of angels <clears throat> Jesus receiving the worship of angels yep. and Jesus receiving the worship of humanity mm -hmm. and you know in our in our discussion about that we we I think came up with it with a great conclusion that the angels worshiped because they were geared to that right all right Humanity, you and I, we worship because God has given us a free will to make a choice to worship mm -hmm. Him. Yeah, you know, I would much rather have my grandkids, for example, come and give me a hug on their own mm -hmm. than having their mother and father go and say, "Now you you got to go hug Grandpa." You know, you got to go. You know, oh, do I have to? Kind of thing. And then he'll come over and just kind of give me a little. No, you know, to me. It's so much better when I can receive that hug from my grandchild because my grandchild wants to hug me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing with me and my wife or whatever. You know, does Patty need to keep egging me on saying, I love you, I love you, I love you? Or is it better for me to go to her and say, honey, I love you, mm -hmm. without her asking for it, without her? You see, that mm -hmm. to me is where worship is. Yeah. You know, and, and we saw that where you looked in Exodus where there's a key phrase there that he is a jealous God. Mm. Now, with that in mind, isn't jealousy a sin? Yes. So, and no. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was going. <laughs> yeah, I knew. Yeah. So, but, and, and, and why is it okay for Jesus or for God to be a jealous God? Well, the difference with God is the fact that we were created by him. You know, when we think of jealousy, like if I'm jealous of you, I'm jealous of maybe something that you have or something that you have achieved that I have not. Yeah. You know, and I want what you have. There, there's a coveting after you or something of your achievements or something of your possessions that I, I lacked, that I have always lacked, I just really want. With God, we were created by him to be in relationship with him. We were created with this aspect to have that relationship and out of that relationship to make that free will choice to worship him. And so when we choose then to give our worship somewhere else, we are stealing away from him what is rightfully his and so that is the type of jealousy that we're, we're dealing with here it's not the same jealousy that we read about later on that is really um, a sin uh, because God is truly entitled to our worship in fact scripture tells us that there will come a day that even though we have the choice to worship now there's coming a day when I guess you could almost say that choice is going to be removed because it said that in, when Jesus comes again every knee and you look up that word every in the original Greek, and it means every. 
You know, there's not no one. There, there's not one single person that is whose knee is not going to find themselves right. bowing before him in some form of worship. You know, and so I, I'd rather make the choice now when it's my choice. Yeah. You know, and I can read, and and I can. Um, not just reap the blessings, but to be able to really um, see the fruit that comes from having this kind of a relationship with the Most High God. You know, Colossians, Paul writes for us that we were not only made by him, mm -hmm. but we were made for him. Mm -hmm. And to me, that, that holds a tremendous weight as far as, wait a minute, he deserves our worship mm -hmm. because not only did he create us, but he created us to have the privilege of having a relationship with our creator. Mm. You know, you have, a, you have a craftsman, whether it be woodcrafts or whether it be pottery or whatever, you know, that potter or that, wood, that craftsman may think that he has a relationship with that bureau or whatever it is that he's made, but the bureau does not return it. Mm -hmm. God, in creating you and me, he made it so that you and I could return mm -hmm. his love back to him. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how what I see worship mm -hmm. is not because I, I have to, but because I want to. Mm -hmm. You know, I really want to worship him. I really want to return to him mm -hmm. the love wherewith he loved yeah. me. And not only the fact that we want to, but there's also that aspect which we we don't think about enough. The fact that we get to yeah. is phenomenal because we're talking about that now we have fallen. You know, there's that disobedience that's <laughs> taking place. There's sin that's entered in the picture. Um, is, and, but we worship not because we have to. We do want to, but the thing is the want isn't enough unless he first paved a way for us to get to worship him. Yeah. Because unless he did something to bridge the gap between us and sin, that separation would still be there. But by sending Jesus Christ, he paved the way for us because of his shed blood to be able to wash away our sins so that now we actually get to come back into his presence and worship him in true um, humility and with all reverence and with all awe. Yeah, can you imagine, I mean... It's only because of the grace of God, only because of what Jesus Christ did upon Calvary's tree, mm -hmm. that you and I would have any hope of being able to go, excuse me, before the very throne of God and enter in boldly, according to Hebrews, mm -hmm. enter in boldly and worship him. Mm -hmm. Out of Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says this, Wherefore the Lord said, for, excuse <coughs> <in> me, <coughs> For as much as this people draw near with their mouths and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Mm. Man, what a, what a mouthful of gigantic words are here for us, mm. where he is saying to us, look, he says, so people may, you know, you hear it on the street all the time, you hear it when you're talking to people, Oh, I want to thank God for this, or I want to thank God for that. Mm. You know, they give the lip service. Mm -hmm. But worship is more than just simple lip service. Right. 
Worship is an act of the heart. And we have that in verse 13. And their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. So, if I just simply do lip service, I don't call that worship. Mm -mm. That's just simply what it is. It's a veneer. It's a facade. It's mm -hmm. meaningless. Mm -hmm. And if I, I would even take it even one step further. <coughs> that's worse than meaningless. Because if, if again, just using us as a, uh, not that this is a reality to anybody. Right. But if I, if you knew that I had any kind of animosity towards you, or that I had been going around and um, talking behind your back, or you know, not valuing the and the relationship right. that we have, and then all of a sudden I come to you and say, "Hey, Harold, how you doing, old buddy, old pal?" With the knowledge that you have of the way I've been living. And now I come and I act as though we are in a right relationship. That, I think, is ten times more damaging mm -hmm. than even just if we were on neutral ground and I was to come and say, hey, Harold, how are you doing? You know, good to see yeah. you again. Yeah, yeah. You because, because we would know that it's a facade. We know that it's fake. Yeah, and God knows when it's just lip service coming from us and... And I think that's why he said, you know, to me, obedience is what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, I, it's so much greater than sacrifice because sacrifice was a type of worship in the Old Testament, you know. And so he's saying, you know, I don't want your sacrifices. I, I don't want you thinking you can just come and offer this stuff, but yet go back out and live your life as though there's no connection between right. you and right. I. That, that's, it's. It's worse than meaningless. It's dung, in a sense, before my feet. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, obey me. That's more important because at least in that, I can see the love that you have for me. Yeah, it, it brings to me a picture of Jesus when he was talking to Peter. And he was asking Peter, do you love me? Mm -hmm. And of course, Peter's first response is, Lord, you know I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord, you know that I love you. No, Peter, you don't understand. Do you love me? And then Peter goes and uses the only word that he knows. Lord, you know that I phileo you. Mm -hmm. I have a friendly response to you. I have a, a kinship that is just kind of, you know, as yep. human beings do with each other. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to love me with a godly love. Mm -hmm. With God's pure, holy love. Mm -hmm. But yet, with that, because like you said, that, that's the word that Jesus was using, is to you, agape. Right. And his response was no. That, and, and I think that so many times we don't see it, that was incredible <laughs> worship. That was incredible worship for Peter to be able to do that, because what he realized he could do is, my God's calling me to something, and I know I don't measure up, but yet I feel I can, I can be honest with him. And I can share that with him and just yep. confess my shortcoming and meet and have him just meet me there. And Jesus' response to him was, you know what, Peter? Go feed my sheep. Yeah. My call's still on your life. Okay. I still want to use you. You know, it wasn't, oh, sorry, you don't measure up. Deal's over. I'm gonna find another right hand man. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, but that's in a, such an important part of worship. I think of some of the 
most intense, uh, one of the most intense times I ever had alone with God was one day when the I had to admit in my own flesh, I didn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, and, you by, those and, I, and by that, I mean, what happened was, was it was just that sense of, you know, I need to spend time in prayer. I should, right? Um, and I wanted to press him because I wanted to spend time with God, but yet, frankly, the spirit was willing, but the flesh just didn't care. Yeah. Just to be honest. And, but you know what I did that day? I actually went, I knelt down by the couch, and I'm like, God, you know everything anyway. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play any games here. <laughs> you know, there's 20 other things I'd rather be doing right now mm-hmm. than this. And I don't feel right about that. Yep. And you know what? In that very moment, there was such an incredible sense of the peace and presence of God. It's not something that you know the room filled up with smoke or yeah, anything of that, that nature. Trumpet and sound. But there was something in the midst of my brokenness in that moment, realizing, feeling my own guilt and shame in that moment. All of a sudden, when I when I just verbalized it, it was like he just took all that, and just yep. washed it right away. And I had one of the most incredible times of prayer. I've ever had yep. uh, with God in that moment. But I think there again, because worship, a big part of being worship is being truthful before God. And that hits a, a wonderfully unique point that the, uh, in Matthew 28, for example, to truly be able to worship him and to be able to do it with Jesus will gladly receive it. Mm. You know, to receive it. He came to receive worship. So what does that mean? He's going to reach out and take it and put it close to his breast, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to receive the worship. Yeah. I think there's a lot of worship that he doesn't receive. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, he knows the heart and he knows the pretense in which we're giving it. Mm-hmm. So it takes true humility to learn and to know how to worship him. Yeah. And isn't that maybe a little bit of what Jesus was getting at in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when she started trying to get into this argument with, with Jesus, or I shouldn't say argument, but get into this discussion with Christ about, well, you know, us Samaritans, you know, we worship up here, but the Jews, you know, they kind of worship God over there, and, you know, who's right kind of attitude. And Jesus' response to her was, look, there's coming a day. You're not, it's not going to be about where you worship. What, I, what the Father's looking for is those that will worship him in spirit and in, and truth. in truth. Right. And, and, and there's that true humility. It's that true sense of where are you at. And it's, it's not going to matter where you are. The thing as far as physically. What is going to matter is where you are spiritually. Yep. So worship is not, I think we can come to this conclusion. Worship is not just one particular set of rules and regulations mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, for example, you have your form of worship. You have, you know, what you do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Basis for your personal time, your prayer time, and so forth. I do something, it may be entirely different. It may not be, but it may be entirely different. So worship is not in just one act. Mm-hmm. Worship is in a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And he has come to receive our worship in our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, that takes humility. Mm-hmm. There's a portion of scripture here in Matthew 28 where Jesus is, has called his disciples in verse 9 
And it says, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And once he said the word all hail. Now, once again, this is after Jesus is resurrected. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, something his disciples really did not, but they knew his voice. One of the great things of John 10 is his sheep know his voice and they yep. will follow him. So here's Jesus saying, All hail. Didn't have to say anything else. All hail. And they came and they held him by the feet and they worshiped him. What did they do? Mm. They just bowed down before him, just grabbed him at his feet. Mm -hmm. It was like the like the woman who, who took her took her hair and she washed his feet and wiped him and, and poured the ointment upon him and why? Because that was her, her form of worship. Yeah. But she humbled herself to worship him. Mm -hmm. One of the most unique times that, that I've had in worship. And we don't do it in our church as a not for any reason, mm -hmm. just that we haven't had opportunity to or whatever but i remember patty and i went to a worship service where where they they did foot washing mm -hmm. and we participated in it and i got to wash my wife's feet and to me that was such a a unique experience for me as it was for her to be able to humble myself before her and and just wash her feet with water and to wipe it with a towel and you know, just to show her that kind of love. Mm -hmm. Well, multiply that a zillion times mm -hmm. as to us doing that. Maybe we can't do it physically, mm -hmm. but we can do it in, in, in a spiritual sense, in an eternal sense to the Lord Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. yeah. is to wash his feet yeah. and to wipe them, just like Jesus did to Peter. Yeah. You know, and of course, Peter was, oh, don't do this, Lord, you know. <coughs> if you're going to do it, Wash out of me, right? Mm. You know, that's Peter's response. Yeah. And, and the thing is, but, but to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I, I want to worship you today in mm -hmm. spirit and in truth, as yeah. you have said. I want, to, I want to worship you in true worship. Mm -hmm. Not some made-up thing, not yeah. some rules and regulations, not some facade of pretending. Yeah. yeah. Well, so many times what you see, and, and you use the, the example here with this passage, I think also it brings back to my memory, um, Sunday's message that I preached at Life on Main, we were talking about how, um, you know, Moses, when he was on the mountain, you know, that when he saw God, he fell, or I should say he fell, he threw himself, it says, to the ground, yeah. is the actual uh, term that's used there. There's a level of spontaneity that came with his worship when he saw God for who he was. And, and I think there is a level of spontaneity that does take place. It took place here. You know, they, there wasn't, oh, here's Jesus. We, we, we better bow. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah. it flowed. It became a natural reaction to what was taking place. And, um, and I think we need to see some of that. What kind of concerns me, um, well, it doesn't kind of, it really concerns me. Because I've heard it so many times for many, many years uh, going through a lot of churches, it seems like it's happening more and more, not less and less. And that's this attitude of people that go into church, and it's like, you know what? No, no, you know, the, I just wasn't able to worship God today. There just wasn't, yeah. some, you know, I don't know, the music just didn't seem to take me there. And it's like, hold it, the, the music shouldn't have to take you there. Right. You know, it, it, whether or not you're able to worship should never be determined about on these external things that are happening here as far as how well the... The, the worship team or the praise team in your church was able to 
perform or were they able to hit those good high notes? Was the guitar able to play that riff just right? That man, the anointing just yeah. flowed. Yeah. No, if your worship flows from inside, not outside. Yeah. And if if we if we're waiting for things out here to propel us into an attitude of worship, we've missed what it's all we about. Missed yeah. It's it starts from inside and then the worship flows out. And then you know what happens when that when it does take place like that? It doesn't matter if the worship team hits a wrong note. It doesn't matter if they're playing Chris Tomlin or Matthew West or Casting Crown stuff or if they're playing George Beverly Shea no. or or Martin Luther stuff. You will be able to worship no matter where you are. I love that, Tim. I really do love that. And one of the things I try to tell my folks at at, at uh, Community Christian is when you're walking up that ramp to enter into the sanctuary, don't walk up that ramp enter, to enter into that sanctuary to see a, a, a person. You walk up with the expectation of going into the very presence and having an audience with God himself. Mm -hmm. Whether it be through the music, whether it be through the the prayer time, whether it be through the message, whether it be through just someone coming over to you and say, hey, I haven't seen you for a few weeks, and they give you a big bear hug or a kiss on the forehead or something, you know, that, that, that you just say, well, I needed that. Mm-hmm. I needed that. So many of us want to, you know, they, they, we sit out in the congregation with our arms folded and say, okay, I dare you to impress me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. That, first of all, that's not our job. And secondly... We're not the one in sin. <laughs> You're the one, you know, because you are trying to put this thing where it does not belong. Right. But if we walk into our churches expecting to have an audience with Almighty God, mm. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, right in the middle of you. Yep. And I ask my people often, who's sitting in that middle seat? Mm. Jesus Christ is. So let us sing... For him. Yeah. Not for each other. I don't care if you're out of tune. I don't care if you have the worst voice in the world. Sing Mm -hmm. unto him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because he is the one who is receiving it. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with tithes and offers. the same thing, everything. Mm -hmm. Am I giving it to him? Yeah. And to me, that is the key. I want to kind of switch gears just for a moment, Tim, because we only got like five or six minutes left, I think. Is, all right, so why should we worship him? And I wrote up some things. I've been studying the book of Hebrews on Sunday mornings. And I wrote up just a couple of reasons why we should worship him. Why he is to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. Why he is should be able to ex- receive it and take it to himself and hold it to his bosom. One, he's superior to the angels. Mm-hmm. He's superior to them. There's so many people today who want to worship angels. Don't do it because you're being shortchanged. Why worship something that is second rate when you can worship Christ himself? Mm. Yeah. So in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 14, uh, 4 to 14, it tells us that he's superior to the angels. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, it says that he is worthy of more glory than Moses. Mm-hmm. And you know how the Jewish people just gather around Moses and, oh, talk to us, you know. Well, wait a minute. He is worthy of more glory than Moses. In chapter 6 and also in chapter 7 
that he is superior to Abraham. Mm. Chapter 7. He is superior to all other high priests. Chapter 8. He is superior because he has established a better covenant. Mm. He has established the better, the perfect, uh -huh. the eternal covenant. Yep. Not one that is going to pass away, not one that's going to uh, be thrown out. He has established a better covenant. We ought to worship him in chapter 9 and 10 because he has established the best sacrifice. Mm. And what was that? The giving of himself. Yep. The laying down of his life upon Calvary's tree mm -hmm. so that you and I could have eternal life. He paid the price mm -hmm. for me that God looks at for all eternity and says, yes, they are bought and paid for. Mm -hmm. So that's why we ought to worship Jesus. Yeah. That's why he is worthy of our worship. That's it. You know, because <coughs> some people say, well, you know, why should I worship this man? Why should I? Because look at what he's done. Yeah, that's it. You know, just look what he has done for us. And look at, look at all that he is. Look at who he is. You know, I mean, yep. he is the son of God. That's exactly who he is. So I think that, that we really need to understand that and really need to, to speak of that. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12, speaks that he is a better blood. Wait a minute. Why? His blood doesn't just cover my sins. His blood washes my sins away. Quite a difference in the blood of bulls and goats and quite a difference of that. That's it. You know, so, so you have all these reasons. Why should we worship him? Why is he worthy of our worship? Mm -hmm. Why is, did he come to receive worship? Because we need to see him for who he is and do it. that. I was just trying to look up. I couldn't find it, though. Um, <laughs> there was... Uh, Probably because it was so long ago now, um, but back in probably the mid '80s, there was a group called Truth, and um, and I know I won't be able to recall all the words, but they kind of hit on this whole concept. And the, the way it started off is, you know, just the way that he was born, that miracle alone should deserve our worship. Yep. You know, and 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 it goes on to list a number of other different reasons throughout the course of that song. But the whole title of the song and the last phrase of the course is this: What does he have to do? That he hasn't already done yeah before we'll worship him you know and i think we sometimes have to just ask ourselves that hard question there really is even if he did nothing else from this point forward shouldn't make a hill of difference as far as whether we worship him or not right because everything else he's done up until now is more than reason enough yeah you know you know and and that is the thing is and i think that sometimes we forget you know we sing a wonderful song at our church and it and the chorus goes, for me, he died. Mm. For me, he lives. You know, and, and we need to, we, we, I think, have forgotten the fact that he came for me. Mm -hmm. To give his life for me. And because of that, he is worthy of my worship. Mm -hmm. Because he's done it. I mean, I've heard tales of people who... who um, were in a very desperate situation. Someone came around and, and literally saved their life. Mm -hmm. And those people whose lives were saved felt indebted to that one mm -hmm. that saved their lives. Well, how much more so should you and I right. be indebted mm -hmm. to the Lord Jesus Christ mm -hmm. for saving my life from going into an eternity of hell mm -hmm. 
and going into an eternity to be with him yeah. forever. And not from the standpoint that he holds it over our head. Right. You know, it's not a level of death. I mean, we know that when he forgives us our sins, as well, that he does it and he forgets it. Right. You know, it's off the slate, but it, it's it's the sense of indebtedness that we bring to the table, yeah. not that he's bringing. Oh, sure. And, um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I don't think that Jesus is, you know, going to say, Harold, you owe me, Harold, you owe me, Harold, you owe me. No, that's, that's man's mm-hmm. way of doing it. You know, no, and, you know, it's, it's a sense of, wait a minute, Lord, I know I owe you because mm-hmm. this is what you did for me. You left heaven, you left the splendor of glory, you left the worship of angels, you left the presence of your Father, you left <coughs> all of that, mm-hmm. took on flesh yep. so that you could die. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me. No. But you know something? You did it. Yeah. And therefore, I need to worship you. I'm in need of worship. Uh-huh. To worship him. Right. You know, that's what I'm in need of. And if, you know, if we can, if we can just help our, our audience to say, wait a minute, we are in need of getting back to worshiping mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ because he came. Yeah. To receive worship. Now, there's a great worship course that came out. What was it now? It's probably right around the turn of the millennium, you know, called uh, The Heart of Worship. It's like yeah. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. You know, when the music fades, when all stripped away, yeah. and I simply come. Yep. You know, and but the course, I come back to a heart of worship where it's all about you, it's not about me right. anymore. Yeah, and I, and I love that when the music fades, when, when, you know, it's just all the background stuff is just. They turn the volume down, you know, it's just mm-hmm. nothing there. It's just silence, just wow. You know, that's it. There's another song that I love, and then we have to kind of close up, but another song I love, Keith Green. It's my favorite, it's number 206 in our hymnal, and There is a Redeemer. Yeah. And that song just so, every time I sing it, it just so speaks to me. Yeah. There is a Redeemer, and therefore, he deserves my worship. This is for the Lord Jesus Christ, certainly. So that's number eight of the 31 reasons why Jesus came to earth. We'd like to uh, share with you just a little promotional we have. It's a little booklet called In Pursuit of Jesus. They have it up on the screen. It's put out by Daily Bread. And we would like to send you one of these. The only thing we ask is that we need is that you message us, and Tim will give you all the information on that, just your name and address. If you want to put a little comment about the program or whatever, please do so. But we will send you one of these free of charge. We will not harass you. We will not keep sending you stuff and asking for money and all that other junk. We don't do that. I just want to get this booklet mm-hmm. into your hands. I'm pastor of the Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont. Um, pastor Harold Noyes. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We have an evening service at 6 p.m. where we have a great time, once again, just singing and worshiping and then a message from the Word of God, but sweet, sweet fellowship. And then we have Bible studies all during the week. We have prayer meeting on Wednesday night at the church. Uh, If you're in our area, please come on out. Worship with us. Experience what it is to truly worship 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in the Charlestown, New Hampshire area, we'd love you to come <coughs> down and see us at Life on Main. We meet on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have coffee at 10 o'clock and fellowship. Uh, we have our service at 11 and every Sunday morning uh, there at 176 to 188 Main Street, the old St. Luke's Episcopal Church building is where we are meeting. We'd love to see you there to worship God together uh, through song as well as through uh, giving our lives to him. And um, we also have small groups throughout the week. We'd love to be able to plug you into one of those. Uh, so whether it's our church or whether it's over at Harold's, please join us. Again, we do thank you for tuning into Heartline Ministries. Uh, we can be found on public access television from Brattleboro all the way up to Springfield, Vermont, also up in the Northeast Kingdom. If you're not in those viewing areas, you can go to facebook.com slash Heartline Ministries and you can watch the episodes there, or you can go to uh, FACT TV's website at FACT 8, and um, they, you can see them there as well. As Harold said, we'd love to get these book, booklets in your hands. Again, we that'll be all we'll do is just send this out to you. Uh, there, there won't be any huge follow-ups, but we do need to know where to send it. So just go to our facebook.com slash Heartline Ministries. Leave us um, an address so that we know where to ship it to, and we don't care where it is, if it's in the United States or beyond. We know we're in 15 countries. Please, we want to get it out to you. Um, so that's available. If you do not have access to Facebook, just drop me um, an email at office.lifeonmain.org. And again, just give us the address information and we'll get it out to you. We want to thank you so much for, for being faithful in watching Heartline Ministry.